do it. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to this very special county commission meeting. Uh, we're going to do it a little bit differently, where we are going to have a number of, it's, it's Take Your Child to Work Day, and, we're, and there are so many kids in the audience. There's a few that I wanted to mention. This right here is Mayor Brianne. Right here, we have Vice Mayor Haley. We have Commissioner Hi. Coleman, who's, uh, who's right back there, who I actually think he is taller than his father. You know. <laughs> we have Cleo and Alex, who work uh, with our wonderful reporter, core reporter over there. We also have Colin Jefferson, uh, who is the county administrator for the day. Uh, we also have uh, Isabella, which works in uh, Barbara Sharif's office. And we also have Lily Norman, who's here as well, which is uh, Brittany Wallman's uh, daughter, and she's covering this today. So what I'd like to have happen is uh, all the kids that are in the audience, can you please come up here? And I'd love all the kids to lead us all in the Pledge of Allegiance. So let's everybody come on up. You're a kid at heart, so this applies to you too. Apparently, there's nobody in school in medicine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not supposed to be at They're school. Not? Okay. Oh. Can I hold you? Make sure all the little ones are up front. Little ones are up front. Coleman, you're in the back row. Can we help them just a bit? Food fight? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I'm on Team Ryan. Coleman's got a good arm. Food fight. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and everybody will start. Ask, ask more. He's got a good handshake, no, too, doesn't he? No, let's not. <laughs> he Stay here. We're going to take a big picture with the county commission behind us. All right. All right.
Daddy, we got to stand up. We are on TV. I don't see well, um, we have to do a moment of silence. It's customary before the beginning of each county commission meeting for us to observe a moment of silence to honor people from our community who have recently passed away. Colleagues, do you have anybody that you'd like to recognize today? I had a statement on a gentleman, but it appears that I forgot to bring it with me. But I just wanted us to keep in our thoughts and our, our prayers uh, Mr. Larry Calafetti, who um, was a head of Sunshine Cleaning, who uh, passed away recently. And of course, let's keep um, all those folks who serve us valiantly uh, home and abroad uh, in our armed forces in our thoughts and prayers. Thank you. There we go. This morning, this morning, we heard the song Abraham, Martin, and John by Dion.
followed by Imagine by John Lennon at the request of Commissioner Holness. This year, I designated as the year of good news and at each commission meeting, we will bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our county, the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans, and other positive happenings. This week, County Commissioner Beam Fur is providing good news to the public. He's honoring Nadine McRae, CEO, founder of Community Enhancement Collaboration, Inc. Uh, Commissioner, Commissioner Fur. We don't usually get applause for that, but that's great. Um, uh, Mayor, I do have a bunch of good news for you today here. And if I could have Nadine McRae come up, Ulysses McRae, uh, America Guyton, Evelyn Corbett, Catherine Evanoff, Josh Brown, Alan Clear, May Smith, Pastor Ruby Franklin, May Helen Levette, Pastor Matthew Levette, Anglo Magdi, Rosa Johnson, Ruby Black Alston, and Elijah Alston around me. Beautiful. Okay, great. All right, we've got some good news here. Uh, today, I bring you good news from South Broward. Uh, Nadine, Ulysses, and the CEC, Community Enhancement Collaboration, for those who don't know, are no secret to the people uh, in my neck of the woods. Uh, everybody knows these people. Uh, if you're living in Hollywood or Hollandale or West Park or Pembroke Park, I think you were actually the Grand Marshal this a couple of weeks West ago. Park, yeah, for yes. West Park, yeah. Uh, they have touched an incredible number of lives over the last decades in, in those cities. From crime watches, they brought in affordable housing, food pantries, clothes, computer classes. They've greatly improved the quality of life of literally thousands of people in the area. We've all heard it takes a village to raise a child. But in South Florida, where cities and neighborhoods kind of butt up against each other and people are from many places, a lot of times, sometimes people don't know what village they belong to. They don't know what community they're a part of. Um, but Nadine and this team has helped create community and a sense of place where people actually look out for each other. They, and the people that were helped out are now doing the helping out. Um, I happened to notice a comment that you actually had on Facebook a couple days ago um, that you'd made to someone. You were, saying, you were thanking them for teaching you how to fish, right. the illusion of mm -hmm. being self-sufficient. And I thought to myself that you're probably not going to be satisfied until everybody in your community has a rod, has a rod and reel, bobber and bait, and ready to go. Uh, then you finally might take a vacation. So uh, I'd like to read a proclamation on, on your all's behalf, okay? Uh, whereas the mayor has designated this year as a year of good news, and at each commission meeting, the commission we bring good news to the public by highlighting the successes of our county, the economic engines of small businesses, residents who are good Samaritans, and other, and other positive happenings. And whereas in 1982, Nadine McRae responded to the needs of Washington Park and the city of Hollywood when she started a community outreach program from her home. Almost took over your home, didn't it? Yes, I know, it I, know it, I know it did. <laughs> she noticed that the youth of her community had no activities and the elders were afraid to come out of their homes. She began by taking 25 young people to meet the chief of police. And whereas with funding provided by the police department, Ms. McRae established a neighborhood youth crime watch and a computer lab. The program provided tutoring and homework assistance and also introduced the youth to their elected, elected officials, giving them a look inside the workings of municipal government. And whereas in 2004, Ms. McRae, along with members of her community, established the nonprofit organization Community Enhancement Collaboration. The CEC promotes health, civic, and social interests while improving community pride and encouraging active participation by citizens. And whereas Ms. McRae and the CEC have launched a variety of programs in her community, including a food pantry, clothing bank, summer youth employment service, back to school and toy drives, 
child car seats, educational workshops, and Thanksgiving and Christmas dinner programs, and a ton of other things that I'm not, I couldn't put it all on here. <laughs> Whereas in 2007, Ms. McRae was named City Citizen of the Year by the Florida League of Cities at its Excellence Awards. And in that same year, she was awarded the Voluntary Service Award Individual by the Florida Recreation and Park Association. And whereas President Obama bestowed upon Nadine McRae a certificate of appreciation acknowledging her dedication, hard work, and sacrifice to her community, now, therefore, be it proclaimed by the Board of County Commissioners of Broward County, Florida, that the Board hereby recognizes as part of the Year of Good News, Nadine McRae, and I must say, and, her, and your team, <laughs> in, in appreciation of her hard work and commitment to Broward County, Florida. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank, you. thank you. Okay. And thank you all. Thank you all. Okay. Would you like to say something? Good morning, Broward County Commissioners. Thank you for having us here today. My husband Ulysses and I began, became husband and wife in 1980. That's 36 years and we're still going strong. Our work began in 1982. We had no idea that God would take us on this journey. To him be the glory. I'd like to thank all of the Broward County Commissioners, and especially the mayor, for creating and celebrating good news happening in Broward County. What a wonderful idea. Yes. Yes. Great idea. Great. Thank you, uh, County Commissioner Bean Fur. I'm thankful and I appreciate you. It is with great honor that I accept this proclamation of the CEC Washington Park Outreach Program. I am very sure that the rest of my team appreciate it too. As you can see, several of them are here with us, as well as we have some back collecting food, going to two different food banks, getting ready to give away the food tomorrow. We have a client choice food pantry. A client choice food pantry allows the clients to have dignity when they come for food. They're able to pick food off the shelf, just like if they was at Publix or Winn-Dixie without paying. Eliminate waste. And so we are so proud of our client uh, food pantry. I would, love for you to, I would like for you to know that we are all volunteers. We have over 200 volunteers strong that volunteer throughout the year on various programs that we have. And not one of us get paid. We are all volunteers. County Commissioner, I also would like to thank each of you for your passion and commitment to each of your district. I see the work that you are doing. I read about it. Um, I get texts. I get emails. So I just want to thank you for your work. I also uh, could not have gotten where I am today. Thank you, my family, board members, Bean Fur, Steve Sampier, City of Hollywood, the Hollywood Women's Club, Feeding South Florida, Dan Reynolds, Value Pond, South Broward Willers, Southside Riders, America Geister, St. Louis Lodge, Josh Levy, Hollywood Kill, Jennifer Davis, Shelly Lou, Shelly DeMarco, Memorial Healthcare System, May Smith, Josh Brown, Patty Willock, Evelyn Corbett, Pastor Ruby Franklin. We have two pastors here with us today. We have Pastor Ruby Franklin and we have Sister May Levitt um, here with us today. Pastor. 
and pastor. Well, it's my friends. Everyone knows Josh Brown. <laughs> Every year, our volunteers and community supporters have consistently gone above and beyond the call of duty. Without their driving energy, CEC could not have rolled out so many successful programs that have happened, that have, that have helped our community so many year after year. I want you to know I am who I am because of everyone around me doing whatever they can do to help make Washington Park and our surrounding community a better place to live. Again, thank you, Broward County Commissioner. We appreciate it. Okay, one, two, three, one more, please. Thank you. For those of you in the audience, please turn off and silence your cell phones. Any member of the audience who wishes to address the county commission on an item on today's agenda, please come forward and fill out a speaker form located on the dais and furnish it to staff. Once an item is called, further speak-up sign-ups will not be allowed and you may not be permitted to speak. When you are called upon, you will have three minutes to speak. Please keep your comments to the subjects being discussed. We ask that you address the commission in a polite manner and that you refrain from making impertinent remarks or personal attacks if you fail to do so, you will not be permitted to continue speaking. Please be respectful of those who are speaking today. We do not allow any applause, cheering, or booing during the meeting. Any person disrupting the proceedings will be asked to leave the chamber. I'm now going to read the Monday night memo. I request the following withdrawals and Scrivener error corrections and inclusion of additional information. Withdrawals, deferrals, none. Scrivener's errors, none. I request that item 19 be moved to consent. Additional information, item number 20. Immediately following the completion of all items on today's agenda, the board will recess the meeting and commence an executive session in room 430. At the conclusion of the executive session, the board will reconvene in 430 to close the February 2nd meeting. 
And uh, just for informational purposes for the county commission, uh, two items, we are, um, uh, we'll recess the meeting, we'll go to 4.30 and we're gonna finish the meeting from there. And the other issue is on Commissioner Bogan's supplemental item, just for, for clarification, just for purposes so folks know, my conversation with the county attorney, it actually takes three uh, separate uh, commission meetings. The first, this today, would be to consider a motion for rescission. Next week, if that's passed, would be to actually have the motion to refer to for rescission. And then if that happens, because you need public notice, it has to be in the newspaper, at the end of the month would be the merits and the substance of the item. Is that correct? Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to ask now for polls from the commission and uh, from the audience and from the administrator. Uh, so, Commissioner Bogan. None. None. Commissioner Holness. 16. 16. Uh, Commissioner Lamarck, are you on the phone? Not here. Uh, Commissioner Vice Mayor Sharif. None. Commissioner Ryan. None. Commissioner Ritter. None. Commissioner Wexler. None. Commissioner Fur. None. County Administrator. None. County Attorney. None. County Auditor. And we don't have an audience poll, but we do have item number 17 and 23 that the audience is asked to speak on. Now, can I, do I have a... All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed? So the item passes unanimously. The first item is pulled by Commissioner Holness, and it's item number 16, which is a resolution of the Board of County Commissioners of Brown County, Florida, accepting a donation of a Dero bicycle fix-it station from Florida, uh, from Florida, introduces physical activity. Commissioner Holmes. Yes, thank you. <clears throat> this is, is located within our healthy community zone. <clears throat> and I want to thank uh, the folks who support us on this effort. Uh, Florida introduces physical activity and nutri nutrition to youth. Flippany and also Broad Regional Health Planning Council, and I'd love for them to come forward, uh, please, so we can recognize you and, and, and truly give you thanks and kudos for helping us uh, within this community. This will encourage greater physical activity and basically create a sense of uh, community culture uh, and lifelong learning. I, I would love for Flippany and, and Broad Health to give us a little backdrop as to why you're doing this and how it helps. Thank you very much, Commissioner Holness and all of the commissioners of the County of Broward. We're very proud to be here today to represent the Healthy Community Zone, which is part of the Broward Regional Health Planning Council's Partnership Transforming Our Communities Health Grant. We're working with four communities throughout Broward, and the Broward Municipal Services District is one of those communities in addition to Dania Beach, Hallandale Beach, and the Cistron Corridor. And today we're here to celebrate one of the donations that they'll be receiving at Delaville Park to increase and to stimulate within the community more physical activity. So through our partnership with, we have over 20 partners and Flippany is a nonprofit that we also partner with. And I would like to now allow Christine to speak about the bike fix-it station that will be in Delaville Park. Thank you. 
Good morning, everyone. So Flippany is actually a nonprofit that has to do with nutrition education, physical activity, and food access. Uh, so as one of the partners, uh, as uh, Lena mentioned, through the Touch Initiative, we're going to be able to provide uh, this fix-it station. And so essentially what it is, is I'm not sure if you've seen a picture or not, but it's going to allow for the community members to fix their broken bikes. Um, so if you are... Um, <laughs> if So if you... Certain things like fixing a tire has all the tools that are attached to the fix-it station themselves. And then the second part of what we're going to do is actually tie that to education. Uh, we already, as part of some of the programs that we do, is actually our earn a bike program. And we, it's an eight-week program. And essentially, we teach children and youth members how to fix their bike, and then they keep the bike at the end of the eight-week program. And so this is just another part of it, of trying to get um, that increase in community health as well as access to... Uh, not only transportation, but also a means of fitness as well. It's also, bicycles are equitable transportation, too, for a lot of the members of our communities. So, again, I want to thank you. But also to our park staff. Uh, would you stand those from our park? Yes. Uh, that goes out and seek these partnerships uh, and, and do such a great job in, in ensuring that our parks are running well. There are a tremendous amount of activities there for our children. Uh, I know in, in the uh, broad municipal districts, you, you do a fantastic job with after-school care program and so many other things that you involve our youths with. I want to thank you all for that. Uh, thank you very much for being here this morning to support the building a stronger community. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. With that, I move the item. Second. All in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Show the item passes unanimously. Item number 17 is a motion to approve the county administrator's nomination of Mr. Mark E. Gale for appointment to the position of Broward County Director of Aviation. Uh, we have there one audience member who wishes to speak on the matter. Uh, that would be a Helene O'Brien from SCIU. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Happy New Year. It's been, uh, it's been a while. Um, so the first thing I want to do is just thank everybody for um, your good work last, the last fall and that this past week, airport workers who work for airline contractors, almost all of them, some glitches were working through, but almost all of them received a living wage, and that was because of your hard work. So thank you very, very much. Um, we look forward to continuing to work with you to, to raise working standards and make that the best airport in the country. Um, the other thing we just wanted to say is, uh, although I haven't always agreed with Ken George, we've really enjoyed working with him. He's, uh, <laughs> he's effective, he's accessible, right? We get to call and talk, um, and now he answers. He's and he's, now that he's leaving, exactly. I did tell him I was going to say this, so he shouldn't be too surprised. <laughs> um, and, but then we do want to also say that we've worked with Mark Gale in the Philadelphia airport. Um, our workers there worked last year to raise the wage there um, to a 21st century living wage, is what they call it up there. And um, we look forward to working with him uh, in the coming uh, months and years to continue to make these good jobs for all Broward County residents. So thank you. Oh, and we have uh, airport workers have live, uh, some Valentine's cards for all of you, full of just thank you so much. You can save it. We really appreciate it. So thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, now it's uh, thank you. Now it's back to the county commission, and um, we'll start with uh, Commissioner Wexler. Thank you. I just wanted to make um, a statement. Um, although I don't agree, and 
I'm just going to say what I said to you yesterday. I don't agree with the way the process was done. I can find no fault with the outcome, Mr. Gale. And, and I searched. And I spent the weekend, as I told Ms. Henry, looking. And other than a couple of crappy blogs, which is what we would expect in our world and our life, um, there was really nothing that was evident of anything other than a really good job that you did in Philadelphia. And with that, I will support the item that's in front of us this morning. Commissioner Bogan. Uh, Commissioner Holmes. Well, let me just say that uh, in, in the conversation with Mr. Gale, I, I fi find him to be uh, someone that's really open. Uh, he's at ease in his conversation dealing with the issues. Uh, the experience that he, is, that he brings to us, I think, is huge. Uh, Philadelphia has some similarities to our airport in that they went through an expansion in a confined area. He was able to work with the neighbors to, to bring that about. Uh, he is, he was awarded, given an award from AMAC, the Airport Minority Advisory Council, which I consider great credits uh, to you uh, in, in terms of your willingness to ensure that there's inclusion and diversity at every level. Uh, and the airport could probably use some at this point in time. Uh, and there are probably a couple of the agencies in Broward County that is not fully reflect, reflective. And you know, it, I think it's time we really take a look at that to ensure that we are a very diverse community and that there's inclusion and everybody's at the table at every level. Uh, so the conversation that I've had with you has been very fruitful uh, in my mind uh, in terms of uh, ensuring that we're working with the unions and I'm great to hear from SEIU that they've had a, a good uh, relationship and, and they look forward to working with you, uh, to working with our small business department to ensure that our contracting opportunities are open uh, for small businesses, for minority women-owned businesses in Broward County, because that's how we grow and expand uh, the economic development and opportunities for all. So again, thank you for choosing this place uh, to be your next stop on your career path. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. Um, I also had a chance to, over the weekend, kind of do it because, you know, there's been a little bit of criticism that there was an open process, but the fact is, this is the process. Mm -hmm. When I read the charter, when I read it, this is the process, part of it. We, this is where we can say yes or we can say no. I didn't read that in the charter. That's not the way I read it in the charter. Um, my, my reading is this, is this is part of the process. And, I, and you know, we had a chance to vet Mr. Gale. I had a chance to do my research. One of the questions I specifically asked what had with him had to do with his union relations. Um, I wanted to know, and I'm, I'm glad to hear, because I heard from your side. I didn't get a chance to hear from Helene, so I am glad to hear that <coughs> from you. I think that, that's, uh, that's good. Um, based on what my research and my questions, I'm, I'm going to support your, uh, your appointment on this. And I'm not sure what uh, I, you know, I asked other people what were the processes prior to this, because being somebody new and a rookie here. I wanted to know what, what are the other processes, and, and nobody, and to date, I wasn't hearing of other processes. So this is the process. And I think, you know, pe people start talking about there's, you know, you know, you should be doing it other ways. I guess I'd like to hear what those other ways are, but I, I don't know what they are. So given what it is right now, I'm going to say I'm going to also support the nomination. 
and uh, welcome aboard and hope you do a great job. Okay. Well, I guess I'm the, the last one to go and uh, Commissioner Frigger, Mike's still on. I just ha I have a few questions. Um, and I have to, I do want to say, I do believe that I wish on these seven appointments, I wish the process, I, I believe the process is supposed to be different. Because if you look at the charter, there are seven specific appointments where the county commission gets to have a say in who the director is. And I know, for example, when the port director was chosen, I believe there were three folks that the county commission got to meet and to choose and, and to go through to figure out who's the best. And so what's given me great conflict about this, I, you know, I believe that Ms. Henry, as always, does very, her, her due diligence. You know, she puts people before us and, and uh, you know, I know, and I know that when she went out, she tried to find the best person that she thought for the job, which is good. So I have no criticism of Ms. Henry. I just personally wish we would have had more folks to be able to meet and to choose from because even though Mr. Gale, who's very qualified, may be the best, I don't know if he is the best fit for our airport because I wasn't able to meet anybody else. And that's why I have some questions for him that I'd like to, that I, if it's okay, Mr. Gale, I would appreciate you answering. Not many questions, and I'm not, and by the way, I'm not gonna dive into your resume. It's, you're very qualified. Um, it was very detailed. Uh, you clearly have the experience uh, to run an airport like our airport. So at the end of the day, that's very good. And when I ask you these questions, it's not to put you on the stand like I would in a, in a you know, in a, in a uh, to, to cross-examine you. That's not the case. So I'm gonna ask you some broad questions because I'm just trying to get to know you a little bit more so I can make sure for myself, and the votes are here, but I wanna make sure for myself that you're the right fit for our airport. So the first question I have is probably the toughest one, but I'm curious about it, and I think it's something that the public should know. Um, I, um, like everybody here, I tried to do my due diligence, and I even went as far as calling the Philadelphia mayor's office uh, because I was kind of curious as to the reasoning why you decided to leave, and this is why I wanted to ask you. And so I know from my understanding the former mayor, Mayor Nutter, is the person that appointed you to the position of airport director for Philadelphia. And from all, all indications, you did a very good job as the airport director. Uh, the new mayor came in and was sworn on January 4th. And that's when it appears that you decided to, you know, to want to leave and to come to Fort Lauderdale, to Broward County. And so my question is, and I'm just curious about this, uh, did you leave because you wanted to come here and you wanted to move? Or did, did you think that the new mayor wasn't going to reappoint you? And when I say that, that's not a question to criticize you. I understand when new administrations come in mm -hmm. that they change it. But I'm just curious. I'm just trying to get to know you a little bit more. Sure. Well, first, um, if you permit me to say uh, good morning, Mr. Mayor. Good morning. Uh, good morning, morning uh, Madam Vice Mayor, all, all the members of the commission and, and all the other members on the dais. It's a pleasure to be with you here today, answer your questions, and thank you. Um, I wasn't able to get to the mic to, to thank you for some of your, your comments thus far, and I really appreciate that, and I'm very pleased to be here with you today. With respect to your question, Mr. Mayor, you know, my decision to leave Philadelphia w was not short in the making. It was something that I had contemplated with my wife for over two years, to be honest with you. Um, I had spent a, quite a long time at Philadelphia, as you know, coming up through the ranks. Um, I've often been asked what my greatest achievement was in, in Philadelphia, and to be honest with you, um, starting as an intern and being able to work up to the CEO uh, over the course of a lifetime gave me great pride. Um, I've built runways, I've built terminal buildings, I've weathered blizzards. I know you have blizzards down here all the time. Um, you know, fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, earthquakes. 
Um, I had a really good run um, at Philadelphia. And change of administration oftentimes means that there is great turnover within staff. Mm -hmm. um, after long conversations with uh, my wife and my family, um, I decided that I was going to look for the next chapter. And this was before uh, Fort Lauderdale uh, came in, into being. Um, if it had worked out the way that it originally was going to work out, I probably would be um, sitting around enjoying um, several months of, of semi-retirement for a little while. But when opportunities avail themselves, particularly phenomenal opportunities, such as uh, Broward County and the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport, um, you have to forego that time sitting around and taking a little leisurely uh, pleasure. Um, I, I think that there are so many great uh, things that are happening here within the county and at both airports and with the port, um, I couldn't sit idly by and not express an interest in this. Uh, as you know, I went to school uh, right up the road. It's been a little while, but I do remember my days in, in Florida. Uh, I just shoveled about 27 inches of snow last week at my house, which is always an incentive to get out of the northeast part. Um, and I made a promise uh, to my wife uh, that if we were to ever move away from Philadelphia, which has been uh, both our homes, uh, pretty much all our lives, um, that I would go someplace warmer um, and uh, with no snow. Um, I've actually declined to participate in a number of recruitments um, over the course of the last year and a half for many different reasons. I didn't feel that they were a right fit for me, did not feel that they were a right fit for my family, uh, geographically speaking. Um, Broward County and the Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International fit that bill for me. And all I can say is I'm very pleased to be here. I'm very uh, honored that Administrator Henry uh, w reached out uh, and asked to, to speak to me about this. But I'm even more pleased that I was the candidate that was selected to move forward in this process. And, and I say this with all sincerity, um, if my nomination passes, rest assured you will get 150% from me. All the citizens of Broward County would get 150% from me. And, and thank you. One reason why I am impressed is uh, the similarities between there are differences, but the similarities between Philadelphia's airport and Fort Lauderdale. So when I say that, I always think of Denver's airport. I fly into Denver. It's on the outskirts of Denver. It's, they have all this open space around them. They can get as big as they possibly want. It's my understanding that Philadelphia, like, Fault, like Broward County, is landlocked. Uh, you really can't grow out. And it's also my understanding that this year, approximately 27 million people are flying in and out of our airport. That number eventually is going to rise to approximately 35 million. And it's my understanding from administration that when that happens, it makes it, it's going to make it difficult to manage. And so my question for you <clears throat> is, how do you plan on ensuring that our airport is continuously able to compete with all the other international airports and in a manner that ensures that people have smooth, easy flights? What, what's your plans for our airport? What's your vision? Um, let me first say that I think the the best kept secret possibly in, in FLL is out there. Um, uh, clearly, the numbers are showing that the airport is growing and growing rapidly. I have a lot of friends that live in this area that use the airport on a regular basis. And for the longest time, they referred to uh, Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International as it's a great little airport. And I'm here to tell you, it's not a little airport. It's a large hub, bustling airport. If the numbers keep growing, they will surpass my previous airport which was always thought to be fifth largest city in America. Um, you know, lots, tens of millions of people coming through here. So I think the challenge is going forward on that very small piece of real estate that we've discussed, even smaller um, at, at this airport than it was in my previous airport, by a significant degree, it's only 1,400 acres here. 
there are significant challenges. There are problems that many other airports around the country would love to have, to be honest with you, growing numbers instead of numbers that are retarding and retracting. Airline mergers and consolidations have robbed many, many um, areas of air service. Things are going really well, I, I see, uh, from my perspective, at the Fort Lauderdale Highwater National Airport. I think thanks to many members uh, on this day, particularly uh, Minister <coughs> Henry and Director uh, Kent George, uh, my goal is going to make sure that, that we keep that momentum that is built thus far going and going very strongly, but also keep my eye on the ball what needs to happen and occur at the airport in the months, years ahead in order to keep pace with that growth. Make sure that you're competing well with your surrounding airports. Make sure you continue to attract new international service. A diverse air portfolio is key to any growing economy. Um, but there is a very small parcel of land, and I think we just need to think, we all need to think very carefully about how to develop that land to keep that feeling uh, for the residents and the patron uh, users of the Fort Lauderdale Highway International Airport easy in, easy out, uh, not something you feel like you're going to get lost or hassled by driving around roadways and getting lost or, or just inconvenient. Um, I've come in and out of the airport a number of times now over the course of the last two months. So easy, um, I can hardly describe it in, in many respects. But I do think that as, as an airport such as Fort Lauderdale continues to grow, those challenges are going to get bigger and bigger. I haven't been fully briefed on all of the issues just yet, but I am a very quick learner. I know airports very well. Um, I welcome the opportunity to drink from a fire hose from time to time and get up to speed with all the issues, not only here uh, at the airport, but within the county and how an airport like FLL plugs into the overall dynamic of this county and this region from an economic standpoint, from an employment center standpoint, from a tourism standpoint, from a commerce standpoint. I think they're all critically important issues that I'll need to keep my eye on going forward. Could I have one last question? Sure. And my last question, um, it's my understanding at in Philadelphia's airport, there's really one airline that does the vast majority of business there. I, I can't remember, is it US Air or, Air, or uh, American? I can't remember who it is. Whoever it is, they just made a whole lot of money. This they they do, a ton of money. Yes. And you know, our airport's a little different, and I think it's better. It's more diverse when it comes to uh, airlines that operate there. I mean, you have JetBlue, you have uh, you know, tons of other airlines. And so my question is, I know for a long time, and I'm sure you've dealt with all these airlines, but you've really dealt with one airline, mm -hmm. really, for a long period of time. What's your relationship with, like with the other airlines, with their CEOs, with the people that run it? And uh, I'm just kind of curious about that. So we did have a major uh, hub carrier in Philadelphia that mm -hmm. controlled, after the merger, approximately 77% of the market share. Um, one of the um, attributes to my tenureship as CEO wasn't just being able to work with the hub carrier, but was the ability to actually bring in new air carriers into Philadelphia. When I took over as the CEO in 2009, we hadn't had a new airline start at Philadelphia since 2004. Southwest Airlines was the first one, that, or the last one rather, that came in in 2004 timeframe. And in my CEO uh, time, um, I brought five new airlines uh, into the airport. JetBlue, Spirit, Alaska, Virgin America, and a five-star international airline called Qatar Airways provided nonstop service into, into Doha. To answer your question directly, in addition to knowing all the senior management uh, with respect to U.S. Airways and Al American, I also have very good relationships with the folks over at Southwest, 
Um, I visited many times uh, with the CEO of Southwest down at Dallas Love Field, Mr. Gary Kelly. Uh, Mr. Kelly actually um, sent me a nice email after uh, I retired from Philadelphia wishing me well. I am now going to send him hopefully another email saying I'm looking forward to working with you again. Um, I do have a good relationship with the folks over at Spirit. Uh, their new CEO, Mr. Fernero, and I uh, knew each other uh, from his days when he used to work with AirTran uh, Airways. Uh, JetBlue, I visited with JetBlue and actually recruited them to come to Philadelphia. So I think my relationships with airlines across the board are pretty strong. That said, certainly in, it's a different environment. Philadelphia, with, uh, with American Airlines being the hub carrier, um, nearly 500 flights a day. Um, when they wanted to exert uh, pressure, I think that they were able to do that. Um, but they always knew where I came from was that I was there to provide a fair and level playing field for everybody that wanted to do business at the airport. And they knew that from the beginning. I never, I never veered away from that. I have to tell you, Mr. Gale, your, your answers were spectacular and right on point. Thank you, Mr. Um, I'm very impressed. You know, and, and um, you know, when I first started asking you questions, I wasn't yet sure if I was going to vote for you today. But uh, because I wanted to make sure that I felt comfortable that you would fit here in Fort Lauderdale, in Broward County. And, say, Did you say that one I know, I'm sorry, I apologize. Broward County, Broward County. Um, but, you know, you've impressed me, and I think you're going to do a very good job. I do want to say, um, you know, when you look at the charter, uh, you know, Ms. Henry followed the charter very well. It says that she puts an appointment before us and we ratify it. But I do hope in the future, on these seven appointments, they're so big and so important that I hope in the future, if we get another one of these appointments uh, anytime soon, that the process is as open as possible and that more people come before us so that we can meet them. But with this said, Ms. Henry, with the gentleman that you chose, I think you did an excellent job with the person that you chose. Oh, of course, uh, Commissioner Bogan. Um, I'd like to address something that I, I didn't know I was gonna bite my tongue on this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, say it. Uh, there's been, um, Commissioner Wexler and uh, Commissioner Fur brought up about the process, and I've read some stuff in the newspaper that criticized the process. And I'd like to go on record in saying that our administrator, Bertha Henry, has done a great job. And I think that our fellow commissioners need to understand that when you recruit an executive, it can't be made public, Mayor. Certain names, if you're, if you're running an airport in Chicago, LA, Houston, wherever, you don't want your name made public. And there's times where, um, where that has to be confidential. Otherwise, people will not come forward. If they're not chosen, they can lose their job. So um, I, I don't agree with some of the comments that have been made on the, how the process is not open. We've, we've empowered our administrator to do a job. We have faith in that administrator. And she's brought forth a candidate that is highly qualified. And, um, and to say that you want it more open, Mayor, and um, when you realize that in the executive recruitment process, which I don't know if anyone here has experience in, uh, most times it's kept confidential. And to say it should be open, you know, I, I think we need to be more practical. If you're looking for a lower level position, you might be able to get names. But to take a person working at O'Hare or LA, Atlanta, and think that they're gonna go public saying I want the job while they're currently employed, I think you're mistaken. And so I think, Bertha, I think you've done a great job and I think you've brought a great uh, applicant and uh, I just wanna go on record to say that. Thank you. So again, you know, I wanted to say that Ms. Henry has done an exceptional job. 
um, at finding qualified candidates whenever any of these positions have come open. Um, I, I wanted to also mention that, um, you know, we voted to put Ms. Henry in her position because we had the utmost confidence and trust in her ability to do her job as a county administrator. I can personally tell you that um, I don't have time to interview 15 applicants. And I know that Bertha Henry does an exceptional job at looking at the qualifications and making sure that they um, fit the bill. Uh, we have weathered some tremendous difficulties under Ms. Henry's tenure, from the recession to the changing of the guard for the county administration. Ms. Henry hung in there and her steady hand guided us through, as well as some of the great decisions that this board of county commissioners have made over the years. And so I am a firm believer in the interview process, and there's only so much you can find out during the interview process. Sometimes you have to let people fly and look at what they do and how they perform in order to see the true value and potential of that person. I think Mr. Gale has an exceptional resume, and he has done an exceptional job, and he has excellent references to support it. I think that we are are going to be very pleased to have Mr. Gale working at the Broward County Airport. Let me say again for you, Mayor, Broward County Airport. For a lot of those not contribute a dime to this airport. So let's get that straight, Broward County does. And so, um, and Mr. Gale, I'm personally looking forward to the day that we can remove that from the airport. I know <laughs> Mr. George has heard this over the years. I, I see him praying, he's not gonna help you right now. Um, I think you put up a sign this. You put up a sign this. Everybody agrees that. That's okay, but I have the louder voice, so it's all right. Um, so anyway, I just want to say that you know I'm looking forward to seeing what you can do for us, and I welcome you here. Um, I think you have chosen the very place, best place to be, because Philadelphia is way too cold. And um, I, I just want to say again, Mrs. Henry, you've done a fabulous job. I'm so. Um, privileged and pleased to work with you, and thank you for bringing this applicant forward. Commissioner Holmes. Yeah, Mayor, uh, I, I don't know that we will have a chance to uh, be speaking publicly again to Mr. George, and, and I know that over the years we've had uh, much discussion, but while we're here having this discussion, I, I want to just tell you thank you for the great work you've done bringing us to where we are today. It wasn't easy, it was an arduous task, especially dealing with uh, some of our residents to the south, but somehow you've been able to, to, uh, to hang in there and, and find a way forward. Uh, we look forward to your continued advice and support uh, of Mr. Gale and, and our administrator as we move forward. Again, thank you for your tremendous work that you've done here at Fort Lauderdale. At Broward, Fort Lauderdale <laughs> well, I think that's just about it. I just wanna add, without belaboring the point, we can always agree to disagree on the process, Mayor. but with that said, oh, Chip, of course, Commissioner, Lamar Commissioner Lamarca. Hey, I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to call in on this item, and uh, I, I wanted to first thank you. I listened to as much as I could and heard most most everyone's comments. Um, I, I, I would add this, you know, as a as a fan of the Dallas Cowboys, anytime I can rescue somebody from the city of Philadelphia, I think we should do it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, that being said, um, on a serious note, uh, Commissioner Bogan brought up something that I strongly believe when, especially on one of our enterprise operations, like the port or the airport, when you have a, uh, a business and a, and a government 
intersecting and finding the right person, sometimes the the process that happens through Bertha, through our administrator and her, her office, it happens with her staff and then ultimately uh, happens as this did. I think that's probably the only way you can do some of these things. I will say that if you look at the, what, what sold it for me, if you look at the selection committee, if you want to call it that, or evaluation committee, uh, we had our current airport director who I echo my colleagues and who has done a fantastic job with, with regard to all of the projects that we've gotten to this part. And the one thing I stressed with Mr. Gale when I met him, they said, well, the runway may be built and we may have finished some of the terminal work, but we have a lot of work to go. So we talked about his, his resume in that area, but to, to have Mr. George, uh, Mr. Kelleher from Human Resources, uh, Mr. Walton from Transit, Transportation, and our Port Director, Steve Cernak, as well as uh, Bob Swindell from the Economic Development Organization, public and private, uh, with Ms. Henry on the, on the Evaluation Committee. To me, that's, that is what said it. You know, they looked at the other folks, um, the Sun Sentinel writing, uh, writing an editorial, uh, blasting the process. I understand it. I agree that there is always a process, but I, I think uh, before you go to the position where you write an opinion, you get all the facts. And the facts were that there were six or seven folks that came down to two or two or three. They were vetted. The selection committee met with these folks, and ultimately, uh, as Bob Swindell wrote in his piece, uh, we have the we have the right person for our airport at this time. And I'd like to uh, just basically offer my support and uh, thank Ms. Henry. I, I would point out one other thing. It, it, during the holidays or during times when we are away as a board of commissioners, we sign and we, we approve a document that says that Ms. Henry has the approval of you know the, the executive ability to sign on behalf of the commission, whether it's for a big beach nourishment or an Army Corps or the port or the airport issues. And you know we put her, we put that faith in her every time, and I think we need to obviously point that out that, that this process was 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 run the best it could so that we were able to uh, obtain the right person without losing somebody to another uh, another airport. So I have, you have my support. All right. Well, like I said, we can agree to disagree on the process, but regardless, we're going to have a great airport director. So is there a motion? So moved. All in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. All opposed. Show the aye. Item. Oh, show the item passes unanimously. Uh, we now have um, item number 18, which is a motion to direct the Office of the County Attorney to draft an ordinance requiring all applications for new and renewal child care licenses. Oh, thank you, Bree. Uh, to include a requirement identifying each employee. Uh, and this is Commissioner Furr's uh, item. So, Commissioner Furr, take it away. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, this is really a, a simple <coughs> gathering of information item. Um, so it's really what we need is to kind of get a, a sense of what the landscape is for this workforce. Um, I am I've been in the of trying to get trying to get a sense of how many uh, we have about 800 child care centers, but I've been trying to find out what the what the what the if you took a snapshot of the workforce, what is the educational um, credentials of the general workforce as, as a whole. Why? Because there are lots of opportunities coming our way. Given uh, Office of Early Learning right now is offering uh, slots for uh, going to school, paying for it, but we need to know who to direct that to. We don't have all that in, a, in one file. You would think that it, we could just say, how many people are there? How many people have a CDA? How many people have a high school? We don't have that. We don't have a registry. Miami-Dade does. Palm Beach does. DCF does. We own child care licensing. That, that's in our that's in our bailiwick here. 
and we don't have that. And if I was a parent, I should be able to go and see, okay, I'm gonna go to this child care center, what are the credentials of the people that work there? As a, as a teacher for over 30 years, you can, you can go and see every, every, every certificate of every teacher, all the classes, that's, it's public knowledge. And that's something that I think for parents' sake, it makes sense to have, but it also makes sense for us you're going to see coming from the federal government and from the state government over the, over the next couple of years a lot of push to, to try to get people up, ele to elevate this profession. You're going to see, you already have a lot of states that are requiring bachelor degrees to teach early childhood education, to, to, um, to work with smart play and guided play, and are actually looking at the architecture of the brain and, and doing those kind of things and building upon that, building knowledge upon knowledge. Right now, our, you know, our, what is required in the state of Florida is not very much to be an early child care worker. And unfortunately, the pay reflects that. The, the pay is minimum wage for yeah, most of us. <clears throat> right, and so you have, a, you have a huge turnover and all those kind of things. We need to see what we're, what we're dealing with. We need to see a snapshot. We need to see what the landscape is and then be able to direct resources to those um, centers, to those people that can allow for their, uh, for them for professional development. That's what this is about. So it's, it's, not, it's not a further requirement other than saying what is, who, who's, who's working for you and what are their credentials. It's already being done in a kind of, there's a monitor sheet when, that's being done, uh, I'll pass this over, that when the monitor goes to the centers, they, they fill out all this stuff. But there's no registry of it, there's no public record of this. And it stays at the center, and when the monitor comes back, they look at this again, but nobody, and I'll, and I'll pass that around. That's what it is, and I don't think anybody can make heads or tails of that. Even if you saw it, you couldn't make heads or tails of it. The monitor might be able to, but nobody else could. Um, so this is a beginning, and I, and I ask for your support on it. Uh, hopefully you had a chance to see what Miami-Dade did. This, was, this is a pretty impressive document. What Miami, this was, part of their quality counts. They are also trying, through their children's services, it's not it's children's trust, it's not their children's services council. They took their snapshot. This was their snapshot, but it went way further than we're going right now. But it did give them a sense of how many people are, what, what the credentials are, um, where are the people from, uh, how much, what kind of wages they're making. It gives them a way to, to start to look at how do we improve this. And I think everybody recognizes the value of, of early childhood education and the absolute necessity for making an investment in this on the early years. We, as a, as a community, have a tendency to put all of our investment on the back end when, unfortunately, it is almost too late. I taught, I taught dropout prevention in fourth and fifth grade for a while. I saw what happened when I, when I had those kids come to my class when they did not have the benefit of early childhood education. And by the time they got to, to me in fourth and fifth grade, unfortunately, the brutal fact was it was too late. And I could work as hard as I could, and I couldn't get them up to grade level. I, it would, I would have had to work 24-7 for years, and that's the problem. So we need to be investing on the front end, but we need to know, we need to do it smartly. We need to know what we're dealing with, and what this um, motion is, is to, to work toward that end. So I ask for your support. Great. Uh, Commissioner Holmes and Commissioner Wexler. Well, I, I do support you on, on this item. I, I think it's a step in, in a good direction. Uh, 
you talked about resources and 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 it's almost crazy how we invest our money mm-hmm. that we would look at third grade students performance and determine how much jail beds to build for the future rather than how we can put resources in to prevent us putting our people in jail there's a lot of resources that are needed out there within the community I, I, and in and, 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 and some areas where folks with low income live you find great deficiencies ranging in weekly rates from probably $65 to $150 depending on where you're located so therefore that's going to be a part of what resources come to the table also in terms of who they can hire, what qualification these folks will have. So oftentimes in our lower income areas, where the need's greatest, the resources are less. Now, I, I, I believe that all of us has a responsibility, school board, the state government, the federal government, of course, in finding resources to ensure that we're uh, enriching the lives of our children uh, so that they can become productive uh, citizens. Last time I checked, I think the PK4 program still wasn't fully funded, that there was still some lag in that, and, and that to me is where we ought to be invested, uh, most definitely. One of the things that I'd spoken to our staff uh, about a while back, and Ms. Henry, I don't know if you allow me to just check to see where we are with that, is how we might be able to go into uh, these school, these uh, early learning centers, and provide resources. At least educate the people that are there about opportunities that they may have for grants, for a- any kind of service that might be they might be able to bring into those centers, uh, and maybe even put something on a website somewhere. I don't know if we've made any progress with that or any update. If I might be able to just follow back up with you with okay. that, because I didn't ask them okay. to be here today right, no to, problem. with that response. Uh, so that would that could be a part of what we do, I believe. As we go in, we can help to direct them as to what might be out there that they might not be aware of. Maybe some are aware of it. Some might not be aware of it. Uh, so having what you put forward as, as, a, as a stepping stone forward, we now then must coalesce the entire community to ensure that we're putting those resources in those places where we can build uh, for the future with ensuring that our young people have the investment and the resources going into them at an early stage. Because uh, I read something somewhere some time ago that basically the developmental stage is most critical before seven years old. And if we're not catching them and doing those things uh, for them to fully develop at an early age, we're going to be behind the curve all the way through life. Thank you. Um, I fully support you, Commissioner Fur. However, and the however is, is I don't really want us to overstep what we're supposed to be doing. The county decided way before I ever got here, long, long time ago, I'm sure the ladies 
from um, that division could fill in the blank of what year it took place, that we decided, this county decided, that it was not going to um, come under DCF's umbrella as it relates to child care licensing, that we would be responsible for that. And as such, we would also fund the positions to do it. And it costs us, and believe me, when we went through the recession, we really looked at long and hard of potentially giving that back to the state. Um, Ms. Henry, are there any other counties that do it still? I don't believe, I think Could we still, one of the people yes. from Human Services answer that question? Uh, Ms. Ms. Mandy or Ms. Campbell? I'm just Ms. Wells, I know your name's not Ms. Mandy. <laughs> There's five other counties that regulate child care. Out of 67 Out counties. Of 67, okay. yeah. So, I mean, just that aha moment for us should have us reflect on the fact that there's something special here and something special in that we cho chose many, many years ago to because we believe that our standards that are even in place now, and you're looking, I suspect, at some point, once you collect your data, to have them increased further, we have high standards here. And they're not just for those daycare centers that uh, have commercial storefront, but also those that are taking place in people's homes that are watching children. And, and you know, when, when a death occurs, which happened not too long ago in a home daycare center that was run, I believe, in Sunrise or Tamarack, one of those cities, and the individual was not properly credentialed, um, we almost wonder, okay, what's going on here? But there are things that slip through, and inspections are done twice a year, three times a year. And that list that you passed around is looked at and checked three times a year. But still, things happen. So I wrote down ELC. I also want to write down Children's Services Council because we, the, this Board of County Commissioners, and I asked Beam, how long do you think it's going to take to collect all of this information? And he suspected about a year. Well, I won't be here, but some of you, you won't be here either. But, and I know that you care tremendously about early education as well, being a father of two little girls. Um, it is really important that we fully understand our role and responsibility and what it will cost this county and to look to our partners who have been designated ELC by the state and Children's Services Council by the voters of Broward County to play a leadership role in those efforts and in that initiative. So I hope that when that information comes back that we consider that and because it's, it's really easy to spend our money. It's harder to build those coalitions. But you have a model in place and you have this document and the procedure that's in place by Dade County, Miami-Dade County. Those of us that have lived here most of our lives, it's still Dade County. Um, it, it, and, and so it's really, really important that, that all of those elements be looked at. But let's not criticize what we have in place because what we have in place and those standards are quite robust 
and something that we as a community should be very proud of. Commissioner Furr. Thank you, Ann, and you're absolutely right. The coalition is essential. And this has been this has been brought up at the Literacy Coalition. The Early Learning Coalition has a new director now as of last week, Renee Jaffe, very, uh, from New York City. Um, it's been discussed at the Children's Services Council. And there, what, what, what you all may not know is some of the opportunities that have recently come down from the state, which are fantastic. You actually have an online curriculum now that can, so if, if a child care worker wanted to go online, actually get a CDA degree, there's actually money and slots where they actually will get paid to go take those classes. Those slots are available for a couple of hundred people now, but, but we don't know who to send them to. We need to know exactly, we need to be able to say, oh, you, want, you, you, you don't have a CDA, this may be something for you. We need to be able to say, are you interested? How about you? How about you? And be able to direct those kind of resources to them almost immediately. We can't do that right now because we don't have that kind of registry. We want that kind of registry. Um, so you're, in addition, you're going to be seeing those kind of investments, those kind of slots available on a, on, on a more occurring basis. So you're, you're, those, those resources coming from the state and from the federal government, because the federal government now is also going to be requiring uh, higher degrees. So um, it's, all, it's all kind of a lot, a lot of movement that way. I know, I know our staff is doing a great job on this. They really are. I know, I know I've thrown a lot at them with some of this, but they, uh, I, 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 think what, I think what you're trying to say is don't overburden them on this. And I think, I think what I'm hoping to do is to see this shared, some shared responsibility. Because it is, it should, it should be a sharing, not only between the county, but between ELC, Children's Services Council, and- The resource. Yeah, yeah. And at some point, there's public schools. Yeah. Because they, you're going to see, because they, at this point, they have an enormous amount of open classrooms. Those can become child care centers. And you're going to see some initiatives that are going to allow for that. And the beauty of that is, that because they don't have to pay as much rent if they use that, that that's where we may be able to get the wages higher. Because they don't have to pay there, they can, the money can go toward that. So I'm hoping those kind of things will, will point us in the right direction and be able to elevate that profession and be able to, so that we're able to put a big investment. And that, as everybody knows, for economic development, there's not a bigger bang for the buck. Uh, the, the, when they look at those, when they look at the uh, the benefits, it's sometimes, I've seen ranges from 7 to 1 to 16 to 1 uh, return on investments. So that's where we're, we want to get to. But that's only for high quality. It's, only for, it's not just for child care. It has to be high quality. So hopefully we can get there, and, and I'm moving it. Make a motion to, to approve. Thank you. All in favor signify by saying aye. aye. All opposed. Show the item passes unanimously. Thank you. Now, as um, we've stated before, we're going to skip item 20 till the end of the meeting, till after the mayor's report and the county administrative report. And there's one supplemental item uh, on the agenda, and it's uh, been put on by Commissioner Bogan. And this, is, if it goes through, is the first of three meetings that we could potentially have on this item. And it's a motion to consider rescission of the board's approval of item number six on the January 22, 2016 public hearing agenda. Uh, Commissioner Bogan. Oh, um, Commissioner Bogan, I'm sorry. There's a... Uh, there actually is an audience member here that is here to speak. So if um, <clears throat> we'll just take him first, and then if it's okay, I'll, I'll over to Commissioner Bogan. And this is uh, Clay Milan from the City of Hollywood. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, you have three minutes. Mr. Mayor, Commissioners, 
My name is Clay Milan from the city of Hollywood. I'm the community, de community development manager. Um, I'll make my remarks brief. I appreciate the um, opportunity to speak to you here uh, this morning. Basically, I, basically, I'm here to urge you to um, uh, rescind your decision to transmit the text amendment that you made on January 26th. While I appreciate uh, the count, uh, county staff's um, goals with this, and, and we've been in communication with them also, and with the planning commission, and I think we share the same goals. We have some concerns about how we how we get there, and we'd like some more opportunity to uh, weigh in on that on that discussion. And we also think it should be also considered in the overall context of the, of the Broward Next uh, process. So with that, um, that's, um, that's a, basically all, all, all I have for you this morning. Thank you. And now uh, back to the dais, and it would be uh, Commissioner Bogan. This is uh, your item. Yeah, um, on December 17th, um, last December, the Planning Council voted unanimously that the Broward County Commission postpone taking any action on an item. And so last week, we were asked to take action on an item, and if you referred to your backup, um, which I hope that, you know, we, if you don't know, the backup was provided, and this has been provided to everybody, the backup did not say anything on, on how the Planning Council in December voted. It didn't talk about the Planning Council recommended to each and every one of you to, to not take action on it. And, um, and that was our backup uh, at the last meeting. What, what came through? Right. What you're, I'm sorry, Mayor. It's, it's okay. Okay. No, I'm just talking about the, the, the summary sheet that I, that I was aware of. And so, um, uh, you know, and, and so I didn't see the purple sheet. If a purple sheet came through, in, in any case, um, my first meeting with the Planning Council was last week, and uh, they were upset that we ignored their uh, recommendation, and they asked me to bring it forth to uh, the County Commission here to see if we would reconsider and rescind. Um, we voted seven to one with Commissioner Ritter uh, voting in, in agreement with the uh, Broward Planning Council, and none of us uh, uh, voted uh, as well. So um, uh, if, if you have any other questions, I know we have the Executive Director from the Planning Council here, Barbara, and uh, we also were supplied today, I guess, with emails from Mayor Sturmer um, from the City of Deerfield, um, City of Hollywood, all recommending that we rescind and uh, delay action on this item. Commissioner Wexler, and then Commissioner Ryan. Yeah, thank you. Discussion on this item began two years ago of the methodology. Um, it is something that, with your permission, Ms. Henry, I don't know if you want Mr. Stone or Mr. Sneezak from Mr. Sneezak. to answer my questions. Thank you. I certainly don't want it to be my word up here, so I'm going to ask you the questions for the record so it could be your testimony or, or statements that my colleagues hear. Certainly. Um, about when did we start having the conversation about the methodology? For the record, Henry Sneezak, Deputy Director, Environmental Protection and Growth Management Department. Um, th that conversation, as you mentioned, was about two years ago when it was starting to be questioned about the, uh, the methodology because the policy and the plan relies on the municipalities deciding the data and analysis and the sources. Right. And could you take a guess at how many workshops we held in the last two years on this topic? Actually, three years on this topic. I'm thinking of at least three, maybe more. Yeah, I, I, I can also. And this commission gave direction 
for did this commission give you direction regarding hiring a consultant to study standardizing methodology? Yes, yes, that occurred, and uh, we hired a consultant, and the, their job was to analyze some of the um, some of the studies that were submitted on behalf of cities, and he also studied the uh, the FIU needs assessment. He issued the report; it was accepted last year, and uh, he. The findings were, which was included in the backup for an item we had recently, his findings were that they, the sources weren't consistent and his recommendation was have one methodology placed into the policy. Right. And when we read, and I particularly um, last night focused on Deerfield's letter, and when you read the letter of why they're asking us to defer this, I mean, they even spoke about thinking that this is all about linkage fee. This has nothing to do with linkage fee in their statement and their resolution that they took. The, the concept of the methodology, part of why this commission decided that it wanted to standardize was because cities were coming in using all kinds of data from all types of places, whether it was the property could you tell us the different types of data that the different um, cities were embarking upon in trying to justify the fact that they have no affordable housing um, deficit in their cities? Well, they were using uh, local sources like Zillow, uh, the Internet, uh, American Community Surveys, Census, uh, just whatever is available out there. And what we saw, and... I'm going to use a city that I represent and two other commissioners up here represent. The city of Plantation was really the poster child um, about two years ago for me for the straw that broke the camel's back of literally thousands at this point, two, three years later, of new luxury apartments completely unaffordable. And, of course, everyone that has a decent job and or two incomes can afford it, but not really affordable as far as um, workforce is concerned. And seeing that, it was the full support of our county administrator that we all um, respect. Her, her understanding, this commission's understanding of some type of acceptable methodology. Did you go out or did someone in your team go out with this methodology and, and do any work groups or any kind of um, inclusion out there in the community? Yes, we worked with the uh, planning council and the consultant and we had a public workshop in October where it was demonstrated. Uh, there was also opportunity to submit comments, written comments or view it online. Uh, then we had a demonstration at the board workshop on December 1st you remember uh, Mr. Vaughn came to that and demonstrated it takes like five minutes to, to use the methodology and then the planning council had a complete review on December 17th. And the last large um, residential which was the rack in Miramar that came before us, Mr. Mealy stood before us last week, you asked him the question um, commissioner regarding the methodology and they wound up referring to the methodology that Mr. Vaughn had identified to be the one that they're utilizing. Correct. So is that correct? That is correct. Okay. They chose, the city chose to use that methodology right. as part of their study. And I think that when you 
when you did an overlay of different methodologies out there versus Mr. Vaughn's, what did you find? County staff completely supports Mr. Vaughn's methodology. It really takes away a lot of <coughs> subjectivity that we have to deal with right now. And uh, it's an easy methodology. It paints a, what we think is an accurate picture of the affordable housing problems in the county that focuses mostly on very low. So county staff is very supportive of the, uh, the methodology. And nothing in this um, transmittal, and it's a transmittal today, uh, it would be, it was a transmittal at the public hearing last week, would affect A through J, right? No, of, the only of the thing. Pol the pol I'm looking at the policy. It's, there's A through J. That's right. still there. It does not change. That. The only thing it changes is that it would require the municipalities to at least address the, the, uh, the methodology. That's used to substantiate Correct. whether they have a need or not. And they can, the municipalities can still submit other information in addition right. to addressing the methodology. Right. Um, I have nothing but the greatest respect for um, one of my mayors, Mayor Sturmer. He happens to be a personal friend of mine. And um, I'm sure he's watching and listening to this meeting. He knows how much I do respect him. But there is no way that I believe that there should be a delay in moving this forward. And I'm going to tell you why. This is not approval. This is transmission. And transmittal. Transmission. Transmittal. <coughs> transmittal gives us a six-month window, and that six in that six-month window, where are you in the Broward next? Because I know you were going to split that up as well. well. Is it is it possible that they could converge in six months? If the board keeps the transmittal action, it would come back before the planning council probably at the earliest in April. And at that time, I think we can <coughs> kind of merge at least the affordable housing issues and present them as a package to the planning council so they can see the big picture. I guess that's what they're asking for. Even that, though that's what I'm asking. We yes. have been keeping them in the loop. Obviously, it's the planning council's the lead on the project on what the affordable housing strategies are. And I would say there's nothing in the strategies that we're working on as a package that would overturn this methodology. I, I recognize their desire for um, addressing it at the same time. And if, it's, if you're saying that that can be pulled out, the, in, the entire affordable housing piece, and be merged into this conversation before we would ever see it again, then I think that gets us to where we want to go. And if that doesn't happen, then we're not even going to move it, move it at, for approval the next time. Is that, are you able to comment on that? Yeah, that's the way I foresee it. Is that, it, that's the way you foresee is that, it? that uh, based on the planning council's comments, when it comes back for their second hearing in April, and if we have to wait till May, I guess we could do that, is that we would try to address their issues at that time, and then it would be a decision about whether to go forward. Thank you, Mr. Sneeza. Commissioner Ryan. I asked my staff to go back and, and get the backup material from, um, this item that was heard at our last meeting. Um, you are correct, <coughs> Commissioner, that we just had a one-page summary, but behind the summary was a lot of data which included the input from the municipalities with questions they had posed and that the county had responded to. In the backup, it did uh, state that uh, the Planning Council had voted unanimously um, against having a uniform methodology with respect to uh, an analysis of affordable housing 
for 100 or more um, residential units. Uh, I note that the, uh, the backup was in excess of 75 pages. Um, as um, Commissioner Wexler indicated, it's been at least two years that we've been discussing this. And um, I, I know that you're a newly elected member, but I have sat through a number of workshops over the past actually three years where this item has been discussed. Um, and the, the dilemma that we have is uh, the unrefuted evidence is that we have one of the greatest income constrained markets for housing, both uh, home ownership and rental housing. Uh, a recent Harvard University Joint Center for Housing Studies uh, ranked uh, our area, our South Florida area, seventh in the nation for the renter cost burden out of 381 U.S. areas. Um, there was reference, I think that Commissioner Wexler mentioned the FIU uh, study, the FIU Metropolitan Center estimates that more than one half of mortgage homes in Broward County are cost burden. So the need is there, but we see a number of projects that come forward and based upon the flexibility that is currently afforded to municipalities, um, they hire consultants that say, yes, there is a South Florida problem with regard to affordable housing, but not in my city. And city after city after city comes in with their own separate studies that um, come to that conclusion. And so it just seems irrational that all of these cities don't have an affordable housing problem, but yet our community as a whole has a, a major problem. That's why I think this draws very clear the distinction between uh, municipal government and county government, because we are um, empowered. We are actually required to do our job properly, to take a regional approach on issues. Uh, and that's why you must have uh, this, this parallel uh, form of government at the county level, especially when we're dealing with almost two million people. So in recent years, as Commissioner Wessler indicated, we have approved dozens of residential developments without affordable housing units. And the Meridian study is, is one that has been going on for some months. And during this time, uh, we did not have anything that I heard that the municipalities said that the analysis of cost-burdened uh, affordable housing in any of these cities, which measures the supply of very low-income, low-income and moderate-income housing, both rental and for home ownership, and it looks at the demands, the demands being driven by the income levels of families that are looking for housing. Um, the analysis of supply and demand is one that has not been criticized until it got to the point that we were here empowered to approve this and transmit this uh, methodology to the appropriate state agencies. So um, just to reiterate, this is step number one. Uh, I don't see any reason to rescind this because we're going to hear from state agencies over the next several months. I think maybe April or May it comes back to us. At that time, if the Broward Next uh, study and, and all the work up from the Planning Council is not yet prepared, 
then I think at that time, it may be appropriate for you to do a motion to defer until that has been concluded, or at least the affordable housing element on the Broward next. But now I see it as being premature, mainly because we have so many housing projects, uh, requests for land use amendments for 100 or more residential units that are in the pipeline. So if we delay, I mean, it has an effect that makes it more and more difficult for us to catch up in the coming months. And, you know, we've been playing catch up, in my view, on this issue for three years. Um, after we had the vote last Tuesday, I met with persons in the business community. And uh, they said, you know, we're just really upset that you went ahead and, and uh, made this uh, linkage fee for affordable housing. So I had to explain to them, this was nothing to do with a linkage fee. This was simply saying, we're going to have a uniform methodology or study or analysis by which we can determine what the needs are, what the demands are, and from there, we'll go forward as we develop the policy. You know, like, take a big picture about this. A lot of developers come forward and say, it's, it's fine to have uh, an affordable housing element. Just tell me what the rules are so that I can adhere to them so that when I put my business model together, when I decide whether or not I'm going to build, I know that I either will pay maybe, you know, some price per square foot if I don't want to have affordable housing units on site, or I will do a set aside of 15% of my units for affordable housing. And, and they've been comfortable with it. Um, but, you know, this, the residential component is different than the linkage. Uh, the linkage is with respect to uh, commercial development. Big picture. Big picture is any large metropolitan area must have a robust affordable housing program to be successful. It drives jobs. The direct jobs on building more units and the indirect jobs of the persons that now can, can be employed in our very large service industry because they now have affordable housing, housing, you know, safe and decent housing that they can live in. I mean, this seems to be the American dream. And for us to step back and say we don't want to go forward after we have studied it and studied it and studied it, to me, this seems to be kind of like um, uh, government paralysis rather than a government that gets things done. So um, with all due respect to you, Commissioner, I have to oppose um, your efforts to uh, rescind it. Um, I want to go forward, and I want to hear what the state agency's comments are. And uh, I think that uh, at the end of the day, it's important that we have a strong affordable housing policy in Broward County. Thank you, Mayor. Commissioner Furr. Thank you. Um, I actually agree with both what uh, Commissioner Wexler and Commissioner Ryan said. But I do want to remind um, with regards to this that the Planning Council did not was not voting against this 1.07. I was on the Planning Council when we were actually writing this. So I had have a pretty good sense of what it was. Um, and you know, and it is, it's actually pretty good in terms of finally being a little more fair because what we were seeing is nobody qualified to be in affordable housing, you know, except for I, I think one city maybe. So, but, but I do like, but, but I, I am actually willing to, to fall back on this for a little bit 
And because I would actually like to see the part that's in Broward next incorporated into it and use that as a full transmittal. Um, because there are parts of that that I've read that I think are, are, are valuable. Um, new elements and new alternatives of housing what it, what, you know, that, aren't, that aren't necessarily being considered at, right now, particularly like container housing, those kind of cargo housing, those smaller space, all those kind of things that are, that are you know, Broward, Broward Next has, has brought a lot of ideas to the table that I think are valuable. I would rather see them all incorporated together. So I'm actually okay with, I, I'm actually willing to rescind this and, and have it come back as one complete. I think it's for two reasons. I think we're gonna have to work with the cities on this. Cities want to see that, and but I would I would like to see it expedited as, as the, I don't want to, what, the only reason I don't want to do it is because of the delay, but I don't want to I don't want that I want to I'd rather have it done right, than you know just push forth and then try to you know incorporate them all later and it just gets messy. I'd rather have it done put put forth. So I'm going to support your your um, argument here, and. If we can exp expedite this and incorporate Broward next into that as fast as possible, that's what I'd like to see. Um, okay. Commissioner Holness. Yeah. We've, we've delayed, we've delayed, we've delayed. Uh, I, I, I see nothing wrong with us moving on this. We can always do what's necessary as we go forward. Uh, and, and I've sit here and, and so many times <laughs> the conflict as to what methods were used and, and can you use uh, properties in the city outside of your city? How far do you go? Uh, there, there's so much uh, confusion that I think we ought to at least put something out and continue this process and, and, and catch up as we go along if we need to. But again, it's been far too long that we haven't really moved forward in this and I think we ought to. Uh, Commissioner Lamarck, I, are you on the line? Oh, okay. I had a, a little note that Commissioner Lamarca wanted to speak on this. So before we vote, and if you if you are there, Commissioner Lamarca, let me know. Um, with you know, since I'm the, oh, I'm so sorry, Commissioner Bogan, of course. Um, Barbara, I, I'm kind of curious why you haven't asked to speak on this and advocate the Planning Council's position as its executive director. I'm new. I'm new there. Sure. You know, my first meeting was last time, sure. Commissioner Furs. But I would assume that you would be the one to advocate the council's position. Sure. So tra traditionally, I, and tradition can certainly change. Um, I ha speak at, at county commission meetings if um, I'm asked a question. Um, I'm happy to to advocate on the, on the council's um, behalf. So there was an extensive discussion, if you don't mind. Um, I'll just sure. review what happened on December 17th. Sure. Um, the Planning Council um, has a subcommittee. It's called the Land Use Traffic Waste Committee. And they met prior to the 10 o'clock a.m. Uh, public hearing for the, for the full council. At the Land Use Traffic, Traffic Waste Committee, uh, Mr. Vaughn made a presentation, gave an overview um, similar to what you saw at your December 1st workshop. And there was extensive discussion um, at the conclusion of that. And the motion at that, usually they would make a recommendation to the full planning council for the for the later meeting. That morning, um, they said, well, we want to just continue the discussion at the 10 o'clock meeting. And that's what that's what happened. And those are the minutes that are, um, that's what we have, the verbatim minutes that were supplied to you yesterday. So there was an extensive discussion at the planning council um, for the full, for the full council. Their position was 
not that of denial at that time, but that to see it folded into the Broward Next process. You know, as you, many of you or all of you are aware, um, we've taken these seven highlighted regional issues. That's been the beginning of the process. Attainable housing is certainly um, one of those, and we're kind of taking the four-pronged approach on the on the strategies. Um, just quickly, those are related to um, identifying sustainable funding sources, um, supporting alternative construction techniques density bonuses in terms of if you're um, constructing affordable housing, building, um, having a, a market rate density bonus for that, um, even consideration of, of lower um, density proposals, if you're doing a micro or efficiency type unit, having those um, account for two, um, two units as only one dwelling unit for density. And then the final piece is the comprehensive strategy related to 10707. Um, as Commissioner Furr was talking about, that, that policy came into place in 2006, and that was after much consideration, um, working with the League of Cities at that time and identifying, um, you know, you provide that data and methodology, and then A through J was used to demonstrate how your city's programs and policies move forward affordable housing. So it's not a, you're going to have to set aside affordable housing if you can't demonstrate that they're, that you're not meeting it, but how are you promoting and maintaining whether the policy's in place? So that's the four-pronged approach that we're taking with the Broward Next process. So the council's ultimate uh, recommendation was that this be um, delayed in words to be able to tie, be tied into that process. Commissioner Bogan, are you? Oh, Commissioner Hollis, do you have a question? Oh, uh, sure, yeah. Uh, let, Commissioner Hollis and Commissioner Wexler. Yeah, my, my question to you is this, in, in, in keeping this moving forward, how does it affect or delay what you're talking about? In, oh, if, if the transmittal continues as it is today, if the transmittal continues and we send this, um, this amendment to the state for review, it's plus 30 days for the state review agencies to provide their comments back. So the earliest um, public hearing that we could get to back at the uh, Planning Council would be April. Um, it could even be May, depending on um, what position the Planning Council takes at that time. So it could tie, um, you know, we're anticipating taking Broward next uh, as a um, couple-piece package to the Planning Council over a two-month period. Um, we're anticipating May, June and then coming to the County Commission um, August, September, or September, October, just depending on how much work we have to do um, in the interim. Commissioner Wexler. Okay. Are you done? My, my question was similar to Commissioner Holness, in, which is what I had asked Mr. Snezak as far as the timing was concerned. My understanding is if this recent request to rescind is, doesn't go through, mm -hmm. it's a six-month window. So right, once we receive the state review agency comments at the end of those 30 days, that starts the clock for a 180-day period to adopt. But that period can also be extended by request of the state since this is a government-initiated um, amendment. Which is why, Commissioner, I would prefer that it be moved forward, which then they need to come forward together, but at least we've done our part. We haven't adopted it yet. We've just transmitted it. And I will not, I'm going to tell you, I will not move forward on adoption until Broward Next's affordable housing piece mm -hmm. comes forward. And there's no reason it shouldn't come forward in May or June. Mm -hmm. There's no reason. This is, you know, this is just the February 2nd today. Mm -hmm. And I know you've been doing a lot of hard work and heavy lifting over there. So 
I, I, I can't imagine that, that there would be a reason, but there could be a request to delay it out an extra 30 days or an extra 60 days. That is possible also? Right, so if, the, um, if this goes to the state and it's reviewed, and you, I would be, um, I'm not gonna say obligated, but it would need to go back on a planning council agenda, and maybe at that meeting, the planning council says, we're gonna see Broward next, next month, right. and we would rather wait to take that all together. Um, and I don't want to put words in our attorney's mouth, uh, Mr. Marotis, but you know, generally, um, if there's a, a a month or two delay uh, from that perspective, like we're tying this together, he doesn't generally um, object at that point. Right. But that so that's why I just wanted the journey to begin. It can be it can be extended with permission from the state, and it can be stopped dead in its tracks Correct. if we choose to do that. Right. It doesn't have to be adopted. Uh, right. Exactly. So that's that. Thank you. Commissioner Ryan. I wanted to take a moment um, asking you a couple of questions that I think are, are relevant to uh, the comments by Commissioner Furr. Um, you talked about some very innovative solutions or, or remedies that uh, many of the members of the Planning Council have come up with. So, and, and rather than have a, uh, a cost per square foot or a or a 15% set aside for affordable housing, you have uh, ideas about uh, bonus units, um, developments that would have different criteria along uh, transit-oriented corridors, um, this container housing concept that I've been introduced to. The point that I wanted to make is that I see as a separate issue from what we are discussing, what is being transmitted now, because we're talking about a methodology to determine the need for affordable housing, not what the solutions are. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I think that you already answered this somewhat with Commissioner Wexler, is we could move forward with the transmittal now, and when it comes back from uh, the review by the state agencies, we can then fold in or incorporate what this commission finds to be the best uh, solutions to an affordable housing demand if utilizing this uniform methodology, it's determined in, in some city that there is a need for, for affordable housing units. So if you have a menu of solutions or opportunities to address the problem, I think we give as much flexibility as possible to municipalities and remember, you know, the municipalities really control the, the funding uh, on, on how they address affordable housing issues uh, within their municipal boundaries. So this whole you know, home rule authority uh, is not being trampled on by the county. We're allowing as much flexibility as possible for the municipalities that know their communities best as to what uh, um, remedies or what, what they do to address these affordable housing issues. So. Um, am I correct that, I mean, you still will have the flexibility to incorporate whatever um, uh, solutions that the, um, that the Planning Council advocates for affordable housing uh, uh, needs in the community? Well, the way that the policy is structured and will continue to be structured is it's only triggered for Broward County Land Use Plan amendments, as you mentioned, that add more than 100 units to the Broward County Land Use Plan. At that point, the municipalities come in, they provide their um, data regarding the affordable housing situation 
in their municipality. So what this amendment does is it changes that base data requirement to only be using this methodology for the base data. Then the remainder of the policy stays in place because as I said before, this policy isn't structured to require a set aside or a dollar per square foot for construction. The basis of it really is for, as you're saying, demonstrate what you're doing in your municipality um, through different programs, policies, how you're maintaining, how you're promoting, um, how, you're, um, how you're improving the affordable housing stock in your municipality. So it's not requiring a set aside, it's never required a set aside, and it's not requiring the dollar per square foot. Those are only things that were put into place to allow the opportunities because not all municipalities were able to provide a data um, and review of affordable housing in their municipality. That was only put in there to allow people to still continue with the land use plan am amendment process. So that's just, that's an option if the municipality is unable to demonstrate um, what its needs are. All right, thank you. Commissioner Bogan. I just wanted to uh, remember this, this was my first meeting with the uh, the council. So I think Commissioner Furr, you certainly have a lot more knowledge on this than I do, and Commissioner Ryan as well. But um, I just wanted to bring it forth based on my meeting and the uh, fellow members of the council were not happy, uh, you know, that we uh, did not follow their recommendations. So just try. <laughs> on the, you know, just briefly, um, this matter I think has been discussed you know, uh, pretty in depth. I mean, it, it really is, appears to be just a transmittal to the state that's gonna come back, that would go to the planning council, have to go through the process as well. Um, so on the merits of it, I don't really see a, a big problem, but I do like to support uh, other county commissioners when they have a procedural motion. So uh, since today is just a procedural motion to consider rescission, um, I, I would support that, because it's not about the merits, it's basically about the procedure. So, that's it. Can't move it. Move it. Second. Can I second that one? You yeah. can. All in favor signify by saying aye. 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 All opposed? Opposed. Show the item passes. Wait a minute. Hold Wait. up. Hold up. Hold up. Do you want it? It's a motion to No, this isn't but the rescind. This is a motion to consider rescinding. Consider. So we would, it would be for next week, we would actually have it on the motion to rescind. Okay, forget it then. I'm, I'm out. You're out. So actually, raise your hand if all in favor, raise your hand. No, of, no of, of this. All, all in favor of the motion to consider rescinding. Raise your hand. One, two, three, four. Show the item fails. Requires five votes. One right, sure you had five. Right, so it failed. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so. That's, that's the magic part of the stuff. <laughs> we're now, before we. Uh, before we get to uh, the last item, I'm going to go through the mayor's report. And then we have the, uh, the you know, the, uh, comments from the commissioners. Uh, the only thing I wanted to bring up today is the Yellow Dot program is up and running. I, as you know, I love the Yellow Dot program. I think it's going to save a whole lot of lives. Oh, and uh, right now, the Yellow Dot program is available at a number of our, the Yellow Dots and their pamphlets are available at a number of different fire stations throughout the county, a number of our different uh, libraries, some of the cities have them. And as county commissioners, we each have a batch that we're allowed to bring and, and hand out. Uh, I'm excited. I actually saw a couple people driving around with the yellow dot sticker in the back of their car. I was actually going to get out and talk to them and to thank them, but then I thought maybe I shouldn't do that since it was on Broward Boulevard. Um, but I am thrilled, and so that's all I wanted. And I just want to thank everybody once again for everybody's great support of that program. Uh, so with that said, we will at this time start with Commissioner Furr. 
Thank you. Uh, happy Groundhog's Day. Um, the uh, gopher did see the shadow. Six more weeks of tourism. So we're good to go. Yeah. <laughs> Now that's a really good thing, I will tell you, especially since the weather in December up in the Northeast and, and such wasn't so horrid as it was um, in previous years. So um, the average daily rate is definitely up, but it was uh, not as robust, but, not, not, but, but pretty darn good. We had um, a TDC meeting last Thursday, and one of the things, the only thing that I'm going to sh um, share today under non-agenda, <coughs> and I don't know if you um, had seen it, it came through last Friday from Ms. Grossman. It was a um, resolution that was passed unanimously by the TDC regarding the process that is used um, in search for her replacement. Um, it is also... Um, we, we found out at that meeting that the um, Broward Workshop has taken a very similar position um, as well. And I know that you had also already received the letter of support of um, participation from the industry from the um, Hotel and Restaurant um, Association. So I wanted to share that with you, and uh, that's it. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Ritter. Commissioner Ryan. I'm very pleased to announce that one of our Bring Your Kids to Work uh, children has stuck around for the entire meeting. So <laughs> let me let me recognize You're that right. he's he's still here. Is there another one? Okay, there they are. There. Uh, we, we lost ours. Though, they're so in the back. Yes. They're in the back in the um, in the air conditioning, or, or as uh, Brittany says, in the freezer section. So, all right, so we have some others here, but um, uh, this was a great idea, and thank you for the, the warm welcome that you have brought, uh, County Administrator, to uh, all the kids that were able to uh, watch their parents uh, in action, and, uh, and since my son has stayed for the entire meeting, he doesn't have to return to school for the afternoon session. <laughs> That's why he oh stayed. You know. <laughs> Make it cancel. <laughs> Commissioner Sharif. Okay, so um, I wanted to just let you know that uh, some of my colleagues and I will be attending the Florida Association of Counties Legislative Day in Tallahassee. As you know, I'm president of Florida Association of Counties, and I'll be up to run the meetings and to um, lobby on behalf of the counties. I wanted to bring your attention to a couple of bills, the behavioral health bills that have been filed, Senate Bill 1534 and House Bill 1235 pertaining to rapid rehousing, including mandating a statewide HMIS system, grant funding up to $500,000 for continuum of care challenge grants, and adding a section to encourage agencies to provide rapid rehousing programs and the distribution of funds to primarily go to utility assistance, eviction prevention, and rent payments for those with special needs. It also allows the state to receive distribution from the National Housing Trust Fund. There are also actions to encourage the creation of problem-solving courts focused on persons with mental health or substance abuse issues. And that's Senate Bill 604 and House Bill 439. Um, I wanted to bring those up because we have received, as you know, uh, Ms. Henry, we've been uh, receiving our fair share of criticism about what we don't do 
um, for cities, but uh, and in terms of the homelessness issue and housing, and I just want to let them know that you know we've got further proof that our model works. So let's fall in line. There are several tax form bills, um, reform bills seeking to reduce sales and property taxes, as well as increasing sales tax holidays. The governor proposes almost 990 million in tax cuts. In addition, there is a House bill proposal on the use of tourist development uh, taxes of 35% for promotion and advertising and up to 10% for emergency medical and law enforcement in the coastal communities. Um, I will look, provide um, future updates after I get back if there's any changes. As you know, it's going pretty fast this year. Um, January the 13th, I attended the Come Greet Governor Scott at the 1 million miles <coughs> per million jobs um, bus tour at the Rick Case Kia and Sunrise. Um, it was the only stop in Broward County and Miami-Dade in his 66 um, city statewide bus tour. On Friday, January the 15th, um, we had the retirement of one of our long-term police chiefs, Ray Black, from the city of Miramar. He's done an exceptional job, and I just want to say congratulations and happy retirement. And then um, the city of Miramar has, has an exclusive uh, photographic collection featuring President Barack Obama, which is on display. Um, I've been getting questions online, so I'm going to go ahead and give that information out. That's, um, it's, it started on Wednesday, January the 20th, 2016 at 7 p.m. It's at the Miramar Cultural Arts Center, and it's going to run through February the 29th, 2016. And it basically spotlights all seven years of his from the inauguration up to date. And other than that, Monday, January the 25th, I attended and spoke at the jobs announcement um, in the city of Miramar at JL Auto, Audio. Um, been in business for 40 years. They've expanded over 300 employees um, this year. And so um, <coughs> we've had some really significant um, changes and, and significant progress that continue to decrease our unemployment rate. And um, at that point in time, our, our unemployment rate had just come out and it was 4.3%. And some said we couldn't do it less than five. And so, you know, it's really exciting to see that uh, we have so many small businesses being cultivated. And with that, that concludes my report, Mayor. Great. And uh, Commissioner Lamarca, do you have any non-agenda? Nope. <laughs> Commissioner Holness. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, your yellow that program we are promoting as we go out to meet with uh, the community from my office, and, and we do. Uh, participate extensively in community activities, so we are, we're, yeah. we're supporting you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Uh, February is Black History Month, and the African American Research Library and Cultural Center is holding their annual Black History Month competition. The competition is open to students living in or attending schools in Broad County from grades 4 through 12. Prizes will be awarded in a special award ceremony on February 22nd, 2016 from 6 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at the African American Research Library and Cultural Center. Last year's winner received a kindled fire. It's a pretty nice prize uh, for them to use with, uh, in education and entertainment. For more information, you may contact our library at 954 Three five seven six two zero nine. That's nine five four. Three five seven six two zero nine. Also, the Sistrunk uh, Historic par Parade is back on Sistrunk, and that will be held uh, the twenty 
7th of February. Uh, there'll be a lot of entertainment, uh, marching bands. Uh, there's actually a post-march event, uh, parade event, that will have extensive entertainment entitled the Urban Music Festival. For more information, uh, you may contact 954-779-4376. Again, that's 954-779-4376. Commissioner Bogan. You know, I wanted to ask Commissioner Wexler. Can I ask you a question? You're on the TDC, right? So, so you you sent this. I was just reading this, and as the chair, right? And in the last paragraph, I just wanted to read the last paragraph. It says the TDC respects the role that the county administrator and the board of county commissioners will have in determining blah blah blah. But then, when you read this, it says the TDC wants to be on the search committee. They want to work with HR. They want to assist with the search, the screening. They want to meet with the search firm. They want to interview the final shortlisted candidates. Pretty much want to be, you know, how, do they, how is that respecting our role and the administrator's role when they kind of seem to want to take over the role? Yeah, so do I can answer? I would. I'm asking you, honestly, uh, you know. Okay. It's, it's exactly the same request that had come forward to participate in the process. Kind of sums it up. The job description and the qualifications are posted online. As of last Thursday, the, the brochure was not ready. I think you were reviewing it on Friday of last week. I'm not sure if it's available online yet or not as of today's date. There was nothing available for qualifications. They wanted um, there to be some input from the current um um, president, CEO. I, I understand input, but the input that. But it, you know, this the participation piece. The participation piece is one person from the industry <coughs> to sit. Miss Henry selected Mr. Swindell to sit representing the business community. The tourist um, industry is asking that an individual from that industry serve on her panel as well. Commissioner Bogan, you, you got to put your microphone on. I made my point. Anyway, okay. I have no other comments. Now, with that said, we have one more item, number 20, that we're going to take up at 4.30. And so this meeting is recessed so the board can attend an executive session relative to collective bargaining pursuant to Section 447.605 Florida Statutes. The closed portion of the meeting will be in room 4.30. Upon conclusion of the closed executive session, the regular meeting will be reopened to complete any remaining agenda items and adjourn. The meeting is now recessed. <laughs>